So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. We got two weeks left on this sermon series. All right. We're, we're, we're calling it Hold Fast. You've, you've seen it. You've heard it over the last couple of weeks. Um, and the reality is we're, we're tethering ourselves to Scripture, right? We, we want to tether ourselves first and foremost to Jesus. But second of all, we want to tether ourselves to Scripture because His Word is the very thing that aligns our hearts, that teaches us how to think, how to believe, and how to respond. All right? Second Peter, if you remember this, the whole book of Second Peter is all about warning believers about false teachers and their lifestyle. And we looked at a number of things, right? That, that, that false teachers are going to declare a way that looks or talks about freedom, but in reality, you're really becoming a slave to depravity. In other words, a, a false teacher is going to say, hey, you don't have to follow Jesus on everything, just on some things. If Jesus' word preaches against it or speaks against it, and you choose to go against what Jesus' word is, hey, we're going to teach that. Um, and the reality is, and as long as I'm pastor here, I will tell you that wholeheartedly, that we will not stray from Scripture. I don't care what modern-day psychology wants to teach. I don't care about what politics wants to cram down your throat. We're not going to stray from Scripture. Never. Never under my leadership will we do that, all right? And so I want you to know that wholeheartedly, that we're going to line ourselves up with that. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Second Peter chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. We're going to read five simple verses uh, today, and we're going to unpack these verses. I want you to see um, how we're to live or how the truths that we're to base our life upon, all right? So Second Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. Would you stand with me? We're going to go ahead and read. We kind of get out of this habit every now and then, but I want to stand in honor of God's Word. We're going to read this together. Again, you can follow on the screen behind me. He says this, but do not forget this one thing, right? So Paul's writing to these friends, and he says, don't forget this one thing. With the Lord, or with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Here's what I love to do, right, at this point. Look at your neighbor and say, God's patient with you, right? God's patient with you, right? Even though I may not be patient, God's patient with you, all right? Especially spouses, usually, right? I know that's what I, like, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not very patient, right? Or with your, even your kids, maybe, at things. But he is patient with you. This is God, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? And I guess... Uh, he says that, right? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would just be aligned with your word, that we would understand that, that we build our lives upon the truth of what you tell us, and that we can rest assured that we know that Jesus is coming back because your scripture says that. And so, Lord, as we think about that, may we be people who align our lives with that. May we live holy and godly lives as we speed the day along. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
You may be seated, and as you do, I want you to think about this. When we talk about this whole idea of 2 Peter, he's warning us about false teachers, right? And if you were to think in your mind about what false teachers teach, even in today's current cultural climate, you would have to begin to align or, or, or look at these things and say, hey, that doesn't necessarily align with what God is teaching, right? And so when we look at what Peter is telling us, he's warning these believers about what is ahead. He warned them about the future. And if you remember last week, we looked about some of the stuff that he said. He said that the false teachers were, were going to claim that Jesus obviously wasn't coming because, listen, the days continue to go on, and as the days continue to go on, things just haven't changed much, right? That Jesus hasn't come back. But keep this in mind because Peter is wanting the believers to understand that there are some great things ahead, right? And so as we think about that, we have to understand that God created his world or this world with his word, right? In, 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 in John 1, we see in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He exists in the beginning. Colossians 1 says he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By him and through things or through him, all things were created. And all things hold together as a result of Jesus. That's what Colossians is laying out. So Paul even unpacks that to say, hey, listen, here's the deal. Here's the big picture, right? Your word is the very thing that spoke all things into existence, and God's word is the very thing that is going to bring all things to an end. That's what Peter's telling the believers. And here's what's crazy, right? In the midst of this, you have these teachers who are sitting in the back going, ah, oh, don't believe in the second coming. Don't believe that Jesus is coming back. We're going to scoff. We're going to make fun of. We're going to poke holes in, and we're going to think about things in a different way. As a matter of fact, you don't need to be holy. You don't need to be righteous. You can live your life how you want to be, and then in the end, if you get your fire insurance, you're good to go. When Peter's trying to tell the believers, listen, no way. That's not what this is about. As a matter of fact, if you live a holy life or a godly life, then you're going to speed the coming up of, of Jesus' second coming. You're going to move it along. That's what Peter talks about. So as we looked at that, I want you to think about it this way. You ever forget people? Or, or maybe, maybe you don't forget them. Maybe you take them for granted, right? Like people, or maybe even it's even some things in your life. But you take these individuals for granted, and then all of a sudden they're gone. And what happens? It's like, wow, I didn't realize how much I relied on them. Or, oh, wow, I didn't realize how much they meant to me. Or, oh, I didn't realize all of this that they brought to my life. See, sometimes we take for granted the people around us or the things around us, and then we lose them, and we're always more appreciative. And what I believe Peter is doing is trying to remind the believers to be ever mindful of what's going on around them, to don't take for granted, don't, don't take the people who are around you for granted, including those who may not follow the ways of Jesus right now. You don't take them for granted, but instead you respond in a certain way so that you speed up the coming of Jesus. Now, you would, a lot of people say, well, you really believe that we can speed along the coming of Jesus Christ? And I would say yes, based upon what we see in Scripture. We'll kind of unpack some of that, but I want, to, I want you to remember this. If you remember anything else, here's the main point for today's sermon. We must live every day, each day, 
like it's our last. Because, listen, the Lord is patient, not wanting people to die apart from him. So we live each day like it's our last. We count each day as a blessing, that we wake up every morning and go, thank you, Lord, for the life you've given me. Thank you for the opportunities I have. But I want to focus like every day is my last. If you were to know that today was your last day, my question would be this. What are you going to do about it? Who would you call? What kind of statements would you make? Would you start to talk to people about what Jesus means in your life? Would you make sure that the people that you know don't know Jesus, that they had at least heard the good news of the gospel? Or would you say, hey, I'm going to call everybody up, let them know how much I appreciate them, and we're going to move on. If you were to live, if you and I were to live each day like it was our last, I believe we change the trajectory of what we do day in and day out. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe we would love our children and our spouses better. I believe we would serve in a greater way. I believe that we wouldn't get so bent out of shape over what's going on in politics because the reality is you and I don't have a whole heck of a lot of control over what's going on. And rather we'd look and go, man, I love you. I don't care what political persuasion you are. I love you and I want to see you in heaven. I believe that wholeheartedly. But the problem is we let other things creep in. We let other circumstances kind of speak into our life. And what we see here in Peter is this, that Peter is reminding the believers that Jesus is coming back. Even against the quote-unquote popular teaching of that day that he obviously wasn't because if he was, he would have done it already. Peter is reminding these people to hold fast to the truth of God's word and know that Jesus is coming back. And I want you to know that today. Like, Even if you were to forget the main idea of today's sermon, I want you to know this. Jesus is coming back, period. Regardless of what media wants to say, regardless of what Hollywood may say, regardless of what politicians may say, regardless of what scoffers may say, regardless of even what other teachers may say who claim to be Christian but don't want to line up their, their lives with God's word, Jesus is coming back. That's a promise. That's a promise that he makes. And the last I checked, every promise God make, every promise God made is fulfilled or will be fulfilled. Every one of them. So it's important for us to keep that in mind. So if we live each day like it's our last, then we want to build our lives on these truths, right? And so I've got four truths today that I believe that we need to know or not forget. I don't want you to forget these four truths because scoffers are going to scoff, doubters are going to doubt, but Jesus is coming back. So here's truth number one. God operates outside of our time. God operates outside of our time. Now, most people will look at that and go, wait, what are you talking about? God is timeless. God created time. God spoke time into existence. He's the one that made the sun and the moon and the stars. He made day and night, and so he operates outside of the time of man. Man looks and goes, oh, see, it's all about this, but God created it. God is timeless. God operates in his own time and in his own way. So listen to what he says in Scripture. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Now, here's one of those things that I'm always cautious to say, but I believe that we oftentimes get caught up in. I've heard people use this as an argument to say, see, 
God could have created over a 7,000-year period instead of seven literal days, at which point I go, true. I also believe that God could have created in a literal seven 24-hour days. The problem is, as humans, is we want to argue time, which is the very thing that God's saying, why are you arguing time? Because time doesn't matter. With a day, the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. So do I believe that Jesus created in seven literal days? Yes, I do. But I also believe that when people want to argue about it, you're making a big deal over a thing that Jesus never intended in the first place, which is to argue about time. What is the argument about with creation? Creation in reality is this, that God spoke everything into existence. But guess what he did with you and I? He formed us and he fashioned us. There's a unique intimate relationship that God the Father has with his son, and his son is the one who forms us and fashions us according to his word, because remember, all things were created by him and for him, and everything exists through him. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were all evident in the beginning of Genesis, if you were to go and look. And we see it played out in Scripture that Jesus is the utmost. He is the highest. And so we operate under our time system, right? And if we think about it, right, a day for us, like we're, according to Scripture, we're given about 80 years roughly, right? But the Bible is also very clear. It says, but you're but a vapor and a mist. Like if I was to take a line and we marked eternity, we had a, a simple piece of string that ran from here to that wall. I could hang a little tiny paper clip on it and it would be like, that's your life in all of eternity. And you sit back and go, man, that's not much. I mean, I know I'm kind of speaking to the choir at the same time, but I'm going to be 48 in March, which absolutely blows my mind because I just don't feel like I should be that old, <laughs> right? And everybody else is older. It's like, yeah, we got you. We know what we're talking about. Like when I talk to my mom and she's like, I don't know how I hit 70. And I'm like, 70? I'm 48. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, when I turned 40, my dad's like, what's it feel like to be 40? I'm like, I don't know. What's it feel like to have a son who's 40? That's the real question. Um, we're all here for a short time and time goes quick. And Listen, I know teenagers and kids are going to be like, what are you talking about? It's taking forever. The school year can't get done fast enough. But listen to what Psalm 90 verse 4 says. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. See, later Christians built these elaborate historic predictions based upon this text in Psalm chapter 90. They understood Psalm 90 verse 4 is teaching that the biblical day would last a, a thousand years right? And some people have even come to this idea that the seven days of creation would be matched by seven days of world history. So they get into this argument about 7,000 years and all these things to try and predict the time that Jesus would come. And here's what I would tell you based upon scripture. The Bible is very clear that no one can predict the time, the day, or hour because the son doesn't even know because the father hasn't told the son yet. So it's important that we understand that God operates outside of time and we align our lives with that. See, this is, this is the truth. We shouldn't be concerned about a delay in Jesus coming because he is coming. Like when I hear people say, oh man, I'm worried. It's like Jesus is tearing. Jesus is delaying. No, Jesus is coming. 
And he's going to come at his perfect time in a perfect way because that's what Scripture tells us. So it's important that we understand that God doesn't operate outside time. Here's truth number two I want you to build your life upon. The Lord is patient. I just had you look at your neighbor, maybe your spouse or somebody sitting next to you and say, hey, the Lord's patient, right? It's important that we understand this. Listen to what he says in verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to circle that word patient, right? It's this idea of long-suffering. It's this idea that he's listening. He loves the world so much that he is patient with what's going on. When we sit back and go, oh, this world is going to hell in a handbasket, all chaos is breaking loose, we can't get anything under control. When all of this is going on, listen, it's important for us to know, Jesus is patiently waiting because he loves the people who are still walking in sin and disobedience. You get that picture? Every day the Lord waits is a day of God showing his patience and mercy. Here's what's crazy. Peter just declared what's going to happen, right? That the world is going to be wiped out by fire, right? That the world is going to be destroyed. It's going to come about. There's going to be new heavens and new earth. We're going to look at that here in just a second. But as he does that, He's letting us know every time or every day that the Lord waits, it's because he's patient. Listen to what it says again. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Does that mean, and I've heard people argue, that means that everybody's going to be saved. That's not what it says. That means that God's going to wait until everybody has repented. That's not what it says there at all. It says he's patient with you, He's patient with each one of us, not wanting anyone to perish. So those people who are around us that don't know who Jesus is, he is patiently waiting because he wants everyone to come to repentance. What is repentance? It's turning the opposite direction. It's 180 degree to turn, uh, turn from where you're going. It's walking one direction away from the Lord, and it's turning around, acknowledging you as a sinner, acknowledging your sins, and following him completely. That's what he's saying. I don't want anyone to perish. Right? We know the famous John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the picture that we see. The Lord is patient. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. It's never been the desire of God to say, I want these people to die. He wants everybody to experience life and life more abundantly. But there's a battle that takes place right here, and it's who do we listen to? It's this idea that plays out. Do I follow the Lord or do I follow the teachings of everybody else who may mislead me? Do I follow what the scripture teaches or do I follow what other people are telling me to follow along? See, Peter is referencing, listen, a precious promise that's made here. As a matter of fact, if you were to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, here's the promise he's reminding us, right? That through these, he has given us a very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by 
evil desires. So Peter lays this out that the Lord is patient. Every day the Lord tarries or waits is another day for someone to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, to be able to respond to Jesus as Lord and Savior, as King of their life. 1 Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to flip over there real quick because I want to read it, but 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 3, says this, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. Listen, God's desire is for everybody to know and follow and come to the knowledge of the truth. But listen, that only comes as a result of acknowledging through faith and repentance that you believe that Jesus died on the cross because it says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the mediator who pays the price that you and I couldn't pay. So he does the very thing, which is called redeeming. He bought us on the cross. He bought our sins. He purchased our lives. He paid the price that we couldn't pay for ourselves. He dies on the cross. He rises again. He defeats sin. He defeats death. And he says, I want you to experience life. And here's how life comes. Life comes through me. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so it's important that we understand that every day the Lord tarries, every day the Lord waits, every day that Jesus doesn't come back is because he's patient. And my question to my own self would be this, how patient are you, Brian, with the people that are around you? It's like, there's times, listen, I'm not going to lie. There's times I'm like, oh man, God's going to strike you down, bro. You are done, <laughs> right? And there's the human aspect that comes out. And honestly, I, my question would be at times, do we think that? And if we think that, how do we respond to those who don't know who Jesus is? Listen, the Lord was patient with me, with my sins. And the Lord is patient with you, in your sins. And the Lord is patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to a knowledge of the truth. So as we align our hearts under this truth, then we begin to understand, listen, here's the big picture, truth number three. Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be just like that. Now, I have to explain something because I'm a big person on what I call situational awareness. You pay attention to what's going on around you. Like head on a swivel, one of those things we were taught all the time in the military. I just kind of learned that. Maybe it's because I was an idiot and got in a lot of fights in high school and junior high. But I always paid attention to what was going on around me. But I want you to think about this way. When he says this statement, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. My question is always this. Are you prepared for a thief. Because you might think you are, but when it really happens, are you really ready? So this last week, this was when, it, when this happened, freaked me out. We're, it's three o'clock in the morning. I can't remember, Monday or Tuesday. We're, 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 we're asleep. It's 3 a.m. And our alarm goes off. Well, I jump out of bed. The good husband I am, I grab my gun and I'm like, clearing house. We're going to take somebody out. Like some dude just broke in. And of course, now let me clarify real quick too. I was dead. 
My wife kicks me, hits me. How do you not hear the alarm? What? Oh my gosh, what are you talking about? <laughs> so <laughs> I grab my gun, I'm clearing the house, and I go out to the garage because it says it's a garage sensor. I'm like, some dude just broke in our door, and I bust my garage door open. I'm like, and I walk down to the door, and the stupid sticky thing on the dadgum tab had fallen off. And so it was like somebody had broke into our house. It hadn't, right? It was like, are you seriously kidding me? <laughs> Let me ask you this question. I'll just kind of put this into my perspective. If that would have been somebody who broke into that house, how prepared was I really when all that happened? Because deep down inside, my heart was racing 100 miles an hour. I was thinking of all the things I'm going to do. And yet at the same time, I'm thinking, man, this could be somebody on the other side of this door. And it could not go well. Now listen to what he says one more time. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar and the elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. I have to prepare for the day of the Lord like you do for potentially a thief. In other words, I am on full alert. I have my alarm system ready. And when I talk about alarm is we can look at Scripture, and Scripture tells us in the last days things are going to become a certain way. It doesn't mean I can predict when Jesus is coming. It's just a clear evidence of what's going on. As a matter of fact, what we can hear or what we know, Paul talks about in some of these things, right? In the last days, there are going to be scoffers. They're going to be people who are treacherous, rash, conceited. They're full of greed. They're lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. Claiming a way of godliness, but in reality denying the very truth of Jesus. Paul says, preach the word in season and out of season, being prepared at all times, because there's a point in time when people are going to surround themselves with people who tickle their ears. In other words, who tell them everything's going to be all right, when in reality it's not. Right? These are signs that we can look at. That's the alarm system. That when I start seeing those things, I'm prepped, I'm ready, I'm on alert, I know what's going on, my alarm may be going off. And I'm ready because that thief could come in at any time. But listen, the thief, it says he comes in, it's going to be just like a thief. Listen to Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to read this real quick. Matthew 24, verses 42 through 44. And he says this, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know what on day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the night of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have, have let his house been broke into. So also you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So here's what Peter is trying to get us to understand. We don't know the date. We don't know the time. We don't know the hour, but we must be prepared, right? Because Jesus will come. That when he comes back, it's going to be like a thief in the night. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says this, <clears throat> starting in verse 1, Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So it's important for us to keep in mind this. The Lord is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. 
But the day of the Lord, when Jesus comes back, will come like a thief in the night. And here's truth number four that I believe we must align our lives under and begin to follow, that we must live holy, godly lives. Listen to what he says. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Now, this is a statement that that Peter's given to the believers. You are to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Now, it's important for us to understand what's going on because I believe that holiness is vital in the life of every believer. Every believer is called to be holy. All of us are called to live righteous lives in view of bringing about God's return. That as I walk in holiness, as I follow God's word, as I have a right view of Christ's second coming, that it leads me to an ethical and biblical lifestyle. That I say, I'm going to align my life with this teaching. I'm going to align my life with his word because it's important that I live a holy and godly life. And here's the reason why. As we live holy and godly lives, this is what it says. It says that we speed up his coming. Now here becomes the struggle. Because when we talk about holy, godly lives, oftentimes we have statements like this. Hey, listen, you and I are called to go beyond in serving people. That we go to the next level when we love others, that we stand on the truth of God's word and we show the love that Jesus had for everybody else. In other words, I make God's mission priority in my life. Now, I have to cautiously say this, but I've been in plenty of churches for years to know that conflict oftentimes arises when preferences become priority rather than mission. God's mission is priority in all things. And when we're about God's mission, then we're not about our own preferences. The problem is we live in a world right now that is self-centered and self-focused. That's why we oftentimes get people who come in and go, well, I want to be a part of a church here and I want to serve others. But the reality is when the rubber meets the road, oftentimes people go, I'm out. You're asking too much. Listen, the call to follow Jesus is the call to his mission. The call to follow Jesus because of his love and grace and mercy and patience is a call to share the love, mercy, grace, and patience of Jesus with those right now who don't believe, who don't love, who reject, who scoff, who doubt, who laugh at, and who condescend people who say they follow Jesus. First Peter chapter 1, verse 14, I believe, lays out some things that we have to begin to understand or that we align our lives with as well. Listen to what he says. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. We did a sermon series just last year on, on living hope through 1 Peter. That's why we chose the second Peter and and we're going through this hold fast idea. But listen, we're called to be holy. Real motivation for righteous living is the promise of the new heavens and the new earth. Listen to what he says again one more time, 2 Peter. Since everything will be destroyed in this way. What's he talking about? 
He's talking about earth. He's talking about all of the creation that we currently have right now. As a matter of fact, if you were to understand what's going on with the Hubble Space Telescope and things like that, we continue to see that our, 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 our Milky Way, everything about our, our galaxy is huge. It's massive. It's unfathomable that God speaks this into existence, that continues to somehow grow. In reality, it's just us starting to see further and further. But he says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. I want you to think about this idea of speeding its coming, right? That the gospel will be preached to all nations and then, then the end Will come. If you were to read Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 14, listen to what it says. And this gospel, the good news of Jesus, of the kingdom, will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You hear what plays out? That the mission of God is to see every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every language to be able to acknowledge Jesus, to bow at the feet, to confess Jesus as Lord, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So we speed up its coming by being disciples of Jesus and letting others know about the patience of God. That's how you and I partake in this. The more people we share the gospel with, the more opportunity there is for them to respond. The more people we share the gospel with, the more opportunity is that we speed up his, its coming. Listen, here's what's crazy about COVID, right? COVID shut down travel worldwide. IMB, our International Mission Board missionaries that were overseas, most of them were brought back. Do you know right now that every week I'm working with, with Missouri Baptist churches around the state of Missouri, obviously, to identify the people groups that live right here in the state of Missouri. Did you know that one in 12 people who live in the state of Missouri are immigrants? First or second generation, that's 8%. 8% of the state of Missouri is first or generation immigrants. Of those immigrants, we have 50 countries, our top 50 countries that are represented. These are people who dwell right here in our state. The top 50 countries represented by people who live here in the state of Missouri. I want you to hear this. Out of those top 50 countries, there are 19 what we classify as unreached, unengaged people groups overseas. God brought them here to Missouri. They need to hear the gospel. Afghan, Somali, Iranian. Matter of fact, this last Tuesday, I got to have lunch with an Iranian man named Farshid. Farshed was from Iran, born and raised there. At 13, ran away, ran to Turkey, got arrested, got shipped back to Iran. He ran to Turkey again, got arrested, got shipped back to Iran. Ran to Turkey, ran into some guys with some guns. They started shooting, ran back to Iran again. Farshed's got a book out. Matter of fact, I was telling some people on Wednesday night about it, and I'm, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get it. It's like $5 on Amazon. But if you were to read his story, he goes to Greece. I mean, he travels all of Eastern Europe, gets to Greece, and hears the gospel. Follows Jesus, confesses his sin, repents, follows Jesus, says, I got to go back to Iran and tell my family about this. Goes back to Iran. He meets an IMB missionary. He ends up marrying this girl and is now here in Kansas City. 
And he says, Brian, I need help. I want a pastor. And I'm like, bro, let's do it. <laughs> so these are the things that God's doing. That we speed up what God is doing and how he comes about because we're actively involved in the mission that God is on day in and day out. So please hear me out when I say this. Next week, we're going to wrap up our, our, our Second Peter sermon series. But I want us to know the truth of what is going to happen and align our lives. Because keep this in mind. I want to close with this simple verse. I'm going to read it, Revelation chapter 21. Because it's very clear that this world will pass away. Listen to Revelation chapter 21. We're going to read the first five verses. Then I saw... This is John talking, a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. Now, for those of you who are beach people, sorry, no beach, no ocean, hopefully no cities. Well, nope, that's not true, because look at verse 2. I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe, listen, every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Here is why we align our lives and build our lives on these four truths. Here is why we want to stand on the truth of God's word because what God says, what God promised always comes true. He's never walked away. He's never turned his back. He's never said, nah, I'm done. You guys changed. I'm breaking my promise. Never. And so my question today to you is this. First of all, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, keep this in mind, that the Lord is patient. I believe that he brought you here today to say, hey, listen, I am the only way. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. So it may be a time where you say, that's what I'm, I'm committed and wholehearted, 100% I'm in. And listen, here's what he's calling you to do, to repent. In other words, you're acknowledging you're going one way and you're turning toward him and you're going to follow him, acknowledging your need for Jesus as Savior. But I believe there's another thing. And maybe it's you as a believer, us as believers. And the question is this. If the Lord is patient and he's called you to be on mission, who is he calling you to go to? Because I believe he's calling. I believe he's leading. I believe he has a desire for all, according to what we see in scripture, all people to hear even though we know that some will reject the truth, but all people to hear the good news of the knowledge and truth of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. He spoke. He was your word. And he spoke all things into existence. And by him and through him, all things hold together. And we know that this this creation that he spoke into existence is reserved later for destruction because we see that in your word. 
but we know that you are patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to a knowledge and understanding of faith in Jesus Christ. Because it's by grace we have been saved through faith, not by works, but simply by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that we can't boast in our own good accolades and deeds. Father, I pray that we would understand and take to heart the good news of the mission that you have for us. That each one of us is called to be a missionary to those people who are around us. That God, maybe we can invite them next Sunday. Maybe we can talk to them about what Jesus has done in our life, how he died on the cross for them, how he paid the ultimate price, and yet he rose victorious, offering us life and life more abundantly. May we be people who are obedient to the point of speeding up the day that will come like a thief. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.